Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Thank goodness we've got football, like relevant topical football to talk other than SEC spring meetings. Which that, those get started today. Yeah. You can get over to Horns 24-7. We've got it in uh, Brandon Marcello, one of our national writers, has an interview with Greg Sankey from yesterday. He was available and made some comments. Shocker. The conference commissioner prefers a nine-game schedule. So that's one of the big things that is going to get talked about this week. Texas, not a shocker. Most of the uh, schools do not. All right. Texas has representation there. Chris Del Conte and Jay Hartzell are both in Destin. But Texas does not have a vote in anything right now. They won't until afterwards. I think July 1st next year when Texas officially becomes a member of the conference. Right. So got to wait a little bit on that. But uh, nevertheless, Texas has representation. But aside from SEC stuff... Relevant to the 2023 Longhorns, Steve Sarkeesian's made three hires as special assistants to the head coach. Uh, it started with uh, Payam Sudat, the former defensive coordinator, longtime FC, FBS Division One defensive coordinator, well, a, a Division One defensive coordinator, was most recently uh, at FCS Portland State. He's been at Army, a couple other spots. Uh, he's going to lend his expertise on the defensive side of the ball. Joe D. Camillus, who was actually a, one of the featured speakers at the Coaches Clinic last year, so the 2022 Spring Coaches Clinic, uh, when Sean McVay was on campus, Joe D. Camillus, who at the time, Craig, was the special teams coordinator, as you know, for your yep. Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. He's now going to come help Jeff Banks. And he's with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And then I think the one that everybody's excited about, myself included, I can go back in the Wayback Machine, Craig, and it's crazy how you can think about it now. <laughs> we can go back in the Wayback Machine for this. Go back to the end of the 2010 football season, and in that offseason, between the end of the season that lost A&M on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and the start of the spring semester, and the search for an offensive coordinator, and oh, how the rumor mill was a churning at that point. Swirling. Because at one point, it was said that Mac Brown's first choice, because remember, Texas was looking for an offensive line coach, too, because Mac McCorder retired. It was said that Mac Brown, the choice that he wanted to make because remember texas wanted to get a downhill rushing attack to right. run the football he wanted paul christ who was at that point the offensive coordinator at wisconsin mm-hmm. and wanted him to bring bob bostad who was the offensive line coach at wisconsin at the time now needless to say obviously that didn't work out but more than a decade later paul christ is coming to the 40 acres as a special assistant to the head coach and I think when you look at all three of these hires, and I know Texas fans, and, and I don't fault you because they said, oh, man, Chris had great running games at Wisconsin, which he did. He coached a two-time Doak Walker reward winner and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, oh, man, he's had he's put together as, a, as an OC and a head coach. He's put together really good offensive lines, which he has. He's produced four first-round NFL draft picks, two Outland Trophy winners. Joe Thomas is going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. So Paul Chris has had really good success with mm-hmm. offensive linemen. But to me, I think the big thing that I take, especially with the Paul Christ hire, but really with all three of these hires, it kind of addresses, not kind of, it does address my overarching question, kind of theme of this offseason, which is can this staff, look, we, we've seen them recruit. We've seen them develop talent. We've seen them put in a good culture. We've seen them do 
a lot of really good things to lay a good, solid foundation for this program as it gets ready to leave the Big 12 and head into the SEC. But the one thing I, I, I that the jury is still out on this staff is collectively, and I know I've said it about Sark, but it's a collective deal here, can they give you the kind of schematic advantage that you're going to need to be able to pull through in the number of tight games that you're going to play throughout the season? Now, we saw them do that last year, right? We saw them. They were able to to put away Iowa State. Uh, we saw them win uh, probably what – it's probably going to go down as their best win of the year last year, beating K-State on the road and closing Absolutely. that game out. And we saw them close out the Baylor game. Here's the catch with that, though. You didn't really close out that game with schematics. You just had the advantage of, hey, we got maybe the best football player in the country in our backfield. Let's just hand him the football. And, and our offensive line could win the line of scrimmage against them. That's what they had to be thinking at the time. Yeah, and Bijan carried you, and you were able, whether it was Jalen Ford or DeMarvin Overshone, you were able to get, Kind of those one or two plays that you weren't able to get the year before on defense when you were trying to close a game Huge out. You were able to get them. by Jalen. Yeah, for a strip, a strip, or just a stop, whatever it was, you were able to get those plays. But especially on offense, you can't, you don't have that luxury anymore of just being able to turn around and hand the ball to Bijan. You gotta have. There's got to be a little more X's and O's involved. It's got to be a little more of a schematic advantage involved. And I think Paul Chris does that for Sark on a couple of different fronts. Uh, I think with his knowledge, his expertise. Uh, in being able to create a consistently good run game, knowing how to scheme it up. But I think, too, I think as much as Gary Patterson helped Pete Kwiatkowski uh, really getting getting PK's head wrapped around that pattern match cover for the Gary Patterson mm-hmm. plays, helping install that. They didn't do a very good job of it in 21, and, and PK said Gary was a big help just understanding how that coverage works, the principles of it, and really helping them get it installed, get the foundation laid. As important as he was for that, he was equally as important for Sark in just being a sounding board because GP had been a head coach for a long time, and there were things that Sark couldn't ask other guys on the staff that he could ask Gary, and Gary would have a good answer for him. Mm-hmm. I think having that with Paul Christ, a guy that's been a Power 5 head coach and a successful Power 5 head coach. I mean, you look at Paul Christ's tenure at Wisconsin, Craig, 67 wins, four double-digit win seasons. They won three, he won three Big Ten West titles, uh, went to – Three uh, New Year's Six Bowls, one two of them, one back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls, one a, an Orange Bowl and a Cotton Bowl, or the other way around, a Cotton Bowl and then an Orange Bowl. Right. Uh, but the other thing that I think Paul Christ can help Sark with is kind of seeing the forest through the trees because Paul Christ has been a head coach who called his own plays and then gave up play calling. Mm-hmm. And I think when you kind of saw Wisconsin go through their downward trend, like a lot of dynasties where it goes wrong, you make a bad decision going all in on a quarterback, and they did it with Graham Mertz, and it didn't work out, and they never really got it back on track like they had before that whole deal started. But I think Paul Chris can tell Sark one of those deals like, look, people, you know, because I'm sure Sark's heard it where, hey, maybe you need to give up play calling. Maybe you need to be more focused on being the head coach. I think Paul Chris can tell him, look, I gave up play calling, and here's why I didn't like doing it. And if I had to do it over again, I would have kept it, or maybe I would have given it up. But whatever the case is, Sark now has a Power 5 head coach in the office who has called his own plays and can give him the pros and cons of it and help him manage the game, which whether it's clock management or situational football, we've seen at times where, and it's not necessarily Sark's fault, I just think it's that adjustment of as the offense, when you're the play caller, I think at times you can get too tunnel-visioned and not being able to play complementary football. That's why I love the cut when uh, I went to Houston, for the touchdown club, uh, the not the touchdown club, but the uh, Texas fight event, yeah. 
and Sark talking. To, I asked Sark about him growing in that role of being the head coach and the play caller, and he talked about the growth of just working with with PK and being able to play complementary football. That to me tells you, okay, Sark now is more comfortable hearing. He's gradually getting more comfortable hearing other voices in his headset on game day and understanding. Yes, you are the play caller, but there's two other phases that are really critical winning football games and you've got to call plays and you've got to understand situational football based on what might be best for those other two phases. So I think as Sark grows in terms of dealing with the communication from the staff as a whole, I think, again, having a guy that's been a Power 5 head coach that's called his own plays, I think that's that's an invaluable part of bringing Paul Christ on board. Excellent point. Very, very good point. It'd be interesting to see how that dy- dynamic works going forward. Hey, Texas finally got Paul Chris, Craig. <laughs> they finally got Paul Chris. <laughs> 13 Chris. years later. There you go. And it, it's interesting. I, a couple people on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7 have mentioned uh, that they worked with Paul Christ when he was with the San Antonio Riders of the oh, long-defunct World League of Football. And they're like, hey, hard-working dude, you know, good dude. And I actually hung out with Paul Christ. One time. Did you? When I was on the road covering recruiting, I was at Arlington Martin, and you know Bob Wager welcomed anybody into his sure. office. And I go in there, and he was expecting me. I had an appointment or whatever, and I go in, and Paul Christ is there. And uh, you know he's like, oh, I was just about to leave. And you know, uh, Coach wow. Wager was like, hey, why don't you come in and finish watching this film? Paul Christ was recruiting Russell Bellamy at the oh, time. Yeah. So I sat down for about five, ten minutes and just kind of watched – it was less of me talking and me more observing, all right, what's Paul Chris looking for when he's evaluating a quarterback? How's he watching film? What's he looking for? So it's a nice little crash course Absolutely. In, in quarterback evaluations. So, yeah, good dude, Paul Chris, in the five to ten minutes mm. that I interacted with him. Very good.